Hey everybody, this is Tyler Unsel and this is Oren Gray. Welcome to the Horror Pod Class. Every two weeks, Oren and I get together to discuss how our featured horror movie might be used in the classroom. And tonight, we visit Bodies the Exhibition, but not in a museum but rather at a messed up school in Heidelberg as we dissect the 2000 movie Anatomy. But before we get there, Oren, what's going on in uh, Castle Grey? Everything good to go uh, in your neck of the woods? I mean, you know, good enough. Yeah. All things considered. (laughs) You've been keeping busy, lots of writing projects and and whatnot? Fair amount. Yeah, fair amount. Uh, This this month has been a little weird because it's going to be a little bit um, back end heavy where like um at the end of the month i'm gonna be doing panic fest so i'm trying to clear some stuff in advance but also not everything comes in when i want it to so it's like i'm juggling some weird things and so it's been a little weird but it's not that bad yeah very good is there uh any particular movie you're looking forward to at panic fest or you just uh i legit haven't even looked at the trailers yet like I mean, there's a couple I know I want to see. Like, I want to see Midnight uh, because um, the people who are releasing it uh, have been, like, I follow them on Twitter, I guess. And so I've been seeing some, like, screens and things from it. It looks cool. Yeah. Um, and there's a few others that I know a little bit about. But for the most part, like, I've never even heard of a lot of them. And I need to, like, actually sit down with some trailers and pick what I'm going to go watch. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, we reviewed uh, Midnight here uh, at Signal Horizon and uh i'm not sure i think brian finelli had the review and was very very positive about it so seemed uh seemed excited and i also know a couple of the other writers were talking the original which again i haven't seen either is is kind of a cult classic so i'm I'm curious to visit both of those and and kind of see you know how they hold up because i know uh Oh, in the same, it, it, it feels like it's kind of in the same vein as some other kind of hard boiled revenge oriented uh, horror, which I, I think is a really, I don't know, undercovered or underappreciated subgenre. I, I think that should, mm-hmm. uh, can be really, really fun. It doesn't all have to be like old boy, but, uh, you know, there are bits and pieces of, uh, both of those that I really like. I, I don't know if I could say I like both of those films, but. Well, it's one of the, and it's one of those genres that feels like it kind of weirdly got cornered by like one country, yeah, and no one else has ever done it quite right. Somehow, like no one else has ever attained the level of doing it that that country has, which is odd. Like it's not, it's not common that we get like a subgenre that just one country really kind of masters. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I I would love to read a piece, and I have, I don't know if it exists or not. But maybe if there is something culturally uh, that that lends itself more to that type of film and uh, yeah. like maybe discovering exactly what that is. I'm fucking I think that would be fascinating. Maybe maybe for a future episode. I don't know <laughs> what uh, what kind of content have you been consuming? What have you been watching, reading, you know, anything? Um, so I've been watching I've been watching a bunch of um, old shit. No one's surprised on Tubi. <laughs> Um, but like, I have to, I know we've talked about this many times, but I just have to once again, reiterate that Tubi is amazing It is, and has the most amazing assortment of random stuff on it. It's wild. Yes. Um, and I've found like all kinds of crazy shit that I've been watching on Tubi. 
Um, what do you? But a recent yeah. This is a recent thing. I, I don't want to get into all the weird old shit I've watched. Uh, just go check my letterbox if you care about that. <laughs> um, but like, a, I actually saw a recent thing from last year that uh, was much better than I expected, which was the new Resident Evil movie. Oh, okay. From Raccoon City, um, which was uh, way closer to the game than uh, the previous Resident Evil movies, which are all bonkers nonsense from another dimension um which is great but this is this is much closer to the game um and was surprisingly good like uh just just a surprisingly solid movie i was i was really expecting it to be garbage honestly is it uh is it anime no uh -uh, it's live action no shit um, okay um but it's got like robbie amell um it's got uh I'm blanking on everyone. Donald Logue is in it. Um, okay. And uh, does it does it follow the plot of like those early Resident Evil games, or is it kind of? Okay. So it, it follows the plot of um, mostly the first one. Kyla Scholar, that's who Kyla. She was the main character in Crawl. Oh, okay. Um, so she she's the main character. Uh, in in Resident she Evil, she was great. Um, she's, crawl, she's great, absolutely. Yeah, she's good here too. Um, and uh, yeah, so it follows mostly the first game, but it has so instead of like, I don't know how familiar with it, the first game, you're just the the team, the insertion team that's going into right. the manor. Um, instead of just following that team, like they're going in, and at the same time, you're seeing what's happening in town. Okay, yeah. You both follow the team and follow the like uh, a zombie outbreak as it's happening in town. I think so. It's parts. It's parts of two and parts of one. Okay. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, and I both of those games I think came out roughly while I was in college. So like we just yeah. played the hell out of both of them. And I I know Raccoon City came out when I was in school because it was the first one. Um, you you played as uh two distinct characters and you would almost like right. hand off a baton between the two and uh if yeah. i remember correctly the the female characters plot was significant at least to me was significantly more interesting so like when she had to hand it off i was always like fuck all right i gotta play this guy for a little while. <laughs> yeah yeah all right a little boring plot now but yeah no it's, it's surprisingly good the cgi is fucking terrible um, but in some ways that actually works because it makes it seem video game. Sure. Okay. Um, and since it's, you know, a video game adaptation, like that works in a weird way. I buy it. Where did you, uh, where did you watch it? Um, I think I should just like friended it VOD. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so very good. I like it. Um, anything else? That's mostly it as far as like recent stuff. Okay. Very good. Well, um, I've got a whole bunch of shit. Uh, I will, I will spare you some of it. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to take too much time, but I am about halfway through the newest Wormwood movie. The Wormwood movies are these like kind of high octane action zombie films that, uh, are either produced in New Zealand or Australia. And, uh, they're, it is hard to describe they are very much action first, horror zombie second, but they include some really fantastic practical effects and their zombie shit is very fun. They It doesn't take itself super serious. They just go and do these kind of 
big production design kind of larger special effects they're they're super fun and the newest one takes everything to like 11 so i i think it's playing at panic fest so uh if you're going to panic fest check it out it's it's totally worth it yeah if do i need to have seen the others since i've never actually even heard uh no i don't think so like it kind of picks up and is a little self-explanatory it had been four or five years since i'd seen any of the other ones anyways and so like i had to kind of ease into it and there's some there's some weird plot shit that you may remember from the originals but i kind of just had to parse out because i'd forgotten it like one of them is they produce this kind of gas when they turn into a zombie out of their mouths that people can use as as fuel. It is so you you have like it's like this Mad Max kind of element to everything where like zombies are fueling shit, uh, which is part of the fun, I think. So yeah, but uh, and that sounds kind of rad. Honestly, yeah, it's it's but... fucking bonkers. Um, but I appreciate a movie that is like this is going to be silly and big go have fun and there is there is nobody that is going to see this movie that is going to think that it is i don't know oh award oscar bait or whatever you know like it's just there to have fun so i i appreciate that probably what i'm most stoked for um i got a blu-ray in the mail for the newest fancy lake mungo um blue release from mm-hmm. uh i'll put the link in here so that you can see it but aim is marketing it right now and they are doing an absolute banger job it's a it's a second site blu-ray and yeah what i am stoked about is they released it a couple of months ago but it was region b so like i couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't see it and it i find it difficult to recommend any kind of region b stuff to our listeners because i know most of our listeners here are, are u.s based so Unless you're a cool guy like you, who's got a like a, you know, a region free fancy fucking Blu-ray player, the it kind of limits its accessibility. But yeah. this one is uh, ready for everybody to t- check it out. And I've already started oh, nice. to listen to the commentaries, and I love that fucking movie to begin with, and I yeah. love an excuse to spend even more time with it. So, uh, like Mongo's oh, great, and it's got a commentary by. Um, Alexandra Heller Nichols. Uh, so yeah, Yeah, yeah. she is amazing and has fantastic insight into almost every movie that I, that I like. So I I think it's worth it just to hear her kind of talk about the movie. So I'd love to have her on sometime, maybe sometime soon. Uh, but the last thing I want to, I want to talk about is I am credentialed and headed out to the Overlook Film Festival, which is one of my favorite film festivals. It's in New Orleans this year, the 1st of June, and I'm just thrilled to be back uh, in New Orleans. I'm thrilled to you know, be around people at a film festival again, especially one that is as fun and friendly, inviting, and uh, they always do a lot of like in-person, like virtual reality events and like they had an escape room a few years ago. Like they just do really cool mm-hmm. shit that makes you want to go in person to it. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be getting back to uh, the Overlook film festival, which is not yes. at the Overlook, <laughs> which I, yeah, I was about to say, it's very weird to imagine the Overlook film festival being in new Orleans. Cause yeah, yeah right. It's right there in the name, right? Like, well, I think in, in the first time they, it's like the, it's like the new Orleans film festival being in Colorado. Yeah. Like it's right. 
I, I do think the first time they held it, it was in Estes Park, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And they, they have migrated now to uh, spooky New Orleans. And frankly, if you're looking for a place, if you can't have the Overlook Film Festival at the Overlook Hotel, the second spookiest place I know of is probably New Orleans. So I can go for it. But uh, I think I'm going to take a graveyard tour because my wife is going to come with me and she's going to go do like kind of the French Quarter stuff during the day. And uh, then at night we're going to, I don't know, maybe take a spooky ghost tour or something. It's going to be fun. So. All right, man. Time to tackle uh, tonight's movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, before we play the trailer, our essential question tonight is. Does anatomy address the moral and ethical concerns surrounding Nothing in the world would make me happier than knowing my Paula is going to be a doctor. They're the best, and their major is anatomy. Is this thing made of plastic? Nope, these are real human specimens. Their minor is fun and games. <sighs> Men are disgusting lowlifes, and God sent me here to punish you. I mean, could it be that maybe it's easier for you to mess around with dead guys than with live ones? <sighs> Got something decent in his pants? Carrot or banana? Until Paula makes a discovery. You really think doctors here in Heidelberg are performing illegal experiments? Would you like to dissect the heart for us? Anatomy. What are you guys doing? Franco Potenta, Benno Furman. Anatomy. <laughs> Some of them study. The others get studied. Okay, you guys, who wants to get carved up first? Okay. Anatomy, a I got this movie rest. like 10 years ago on Netflix by accident. Why this movie? Um, so basically, it's the same reason. Like, I saw this in college when I still worked at a video store when it was new-ish. Um, like, I didn't see it in 2000, but real close. Um, and at the time, I liked it a lot. Um... I uh, and I still really like the the plasticized bodies. Oh yeah, part. like yeah. I mean, it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Like, um, and technically the second time because there's some in House on Haunted Hill, uh, the '99 House on Haunted Hill. But like, I the the bodies the bodies revealed exhibit or whatever like that didn't if it existed yet. It, I'd never seen it. Like, I'd never heard of it. And so this idea of them like plasticizing the anatom the, the bodies and using them with anatom- anatomical models was amazing to me at the time, and I hadn't seen it since. Like I, I saw it in college, and then you know that was that was twenty years ago for all intents and purposes, yeah. and um, I hadn't seen it since. And so um, I had a disc that had it on it, and I was like, we should do this. We we were doing a bunch of um, you know wax museum type sure. Movies. And I was like, "This is kind of a wax museum type movie. We should do, we should do this." Um, well, that's it, and that that would give me an excuse to watch it again. Yeah. Well, I, I was when you recommended it, I was like, "Oh yeah, like I haven't seen that movie in a while. This seems like an odd pick. It is not in the themes that we." And then, like the first time we see those plasticized bodies, I'm like, "Oh, that motherfucker did it again." <laughs> <laughs> like he is. I mean, because like it's a wax figure, right? Like or a plasticized like, figure, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's basically the same plot as the Wax Museum movie in that regard, right? Because you're killing people to turn them into, into sculptures, oh, yeah. basically. Well, um, and that's not, that's not the only reason they're killing people, as it turns out. But, you know, um, but yeah, the, the gist is the same. Yeah. Well, and you get the same. Now that we've done 
three or four or five movies kind of all in the same subgenre, we get the same kind of general scares, which I think is really interesting to watch how they all play out, which is in House of Wax, we get this great scene where we discover that the guy is still alive, right? You know, we, you know, mm-hmm. it's a fucking intense as hell scene. We've seen that same kind of thing repeated in Wax, Wax Mask and a couple of those others that we've covered. And we get the same kind of scare here because you have to like inoculate, you know, or inject them with this whatever plastic drug is, right? And right. they talk about how it slowly creeps in and starts to like freeze you up, which. I don't think is the way any of that shit really works, but no. the, what a great the, the drug. Yeah. yeah. The, the plasmadol or whatever the drug is called. It's made yeah. up. Yeah. It's not a real thing. <laughs> that being said, love the device. Cause it definitely adds yeah, tension and uh, makes it really fun. I think we even get the same kind of eyeball scare when we uh, ultimately discover that, uh, Oh, Gretchen who's played, uh, I think really fun and really well by Anna Lose, if I'm pronouncing that name yeah. correctly. Uh, she is really gung ho for this role and throws everything into it. So when we discover yeah. her at the end, it's I think a great reveal and the same kind of the same kind of stuff that we've seen. So yeah, and we actually um, so I I don't want to derail too much because I do want to talk about something else you were talk, just talking about, but I do think we need to we need to touch on Gretchen um, because. She is delightful, and um, I kind of wanted her to be our final girl. Yeah, right. Um, and like, she is such an odd take on a stock character because, like, she's the she's she's both the the slutty friend to the final girl, right? Because like every final girl has this this very uninhibited slutty friend, um, and she's also the the slutty sort of blonde bimbo who's actually super smart Mm -hmm. because her IQ is way higher than everyone else's. And she's the one who scored the highest on the test in all of Germany and blah, blah, blah. Um, But also like on top of both of those tropes, which are, which are stock characters that you can find in like every slasher movie, basically. um, She has this sort of sadistic streak to her. Oh yeah. That like, she is, she is doing what she does out of a kind of reverse misogyny. Yes, like, yeah. She's so used to misogyny that she's just turning it back, like reflecting it back on people and like objectifying all the men around right, her. Right, yeah. And like at one point she says like, all you men are pigs, God put me on earth to punish you. <laughs> or something yeah. like as a guy is going down on yeah. her, basically. Yeah. Like it's amazing. And I sort of love her character. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no doubt she's a fucking alpha, right? Like- And that's what makes her so fun to watch and develop because you don't, I don't think you know at the very beginning that she is like super smart. That's a reveal that you get like maybe 40 minutes in well after we've established that she's got, you know, big boobs and, you know, like is, and, and like three boyfriends at the same time. Like she, she, she hits on like every guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. She is delightful, which makes like, the big scene at the end where she, you know, not at the end, but her, her ultimate demise is very sad because you like, you think she's fought off these people. You think, you know, she's got a real chance of making it. And then she doesn't. And it's like, fuck man. And in many ways, I, I like, I don't want to take any of the thunder away from, uh, Franca potent, uh, who plays Paula. 
Potente. Potente? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Because she is adorable and fantastic and a good final girl. Yeah. And, you know, kind of obeys most of the general rules that a, a good final girl would. Uh, it is funny. I called her the born identity girl. And what did you call her? The run lower. Run yeah, girl. right. I like a, that it was like, <laughs> holy shit. It totally. And I had forgotten uh, that she was in this particular movie. And then she like definitely went on to bigger and, and, and better things, you yeah. know, but oh, yeah. but a versatile actor, both in with the native German that the movie is in and uh, you know, in in English eventually too. So I like, I think this movie would probably pass the Bichtel test because they, they talk that like the two of them talk about all kinds of shit, right? They ostensibly talk about things that aren't men. I think I'm not actually positive that Gretchen ever isn't somehow both demeaning men and objectifying (laughs) them. But yeah, Yeah, like, I really wish there was an alternate cut where, like, she survives and she's like, fuck, okay, I guess I have to use my genius to figure all this shit out, you know, and just wraps it up in a nice little bow. I think that, that Um, would be the film. I do think one of the things that I do like, like, the film, upon rewatching it, the film was not, it's not as good as my memory of it was, um... But one of the things that I do still like about it, besides the plasticized bodies, which are amazing, Very much so. is um, that it essentially has two plots, um, which I always like this in movies, where like there's there's whatever the sort of um, the plot on the tin is like, uh, you know, there's 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 a, the, the best example are like House on Haunted Hill or The Tingler. Right where where there's there's this haunted house right and that's the plot on the ten. What's the actual plot? Meanwhile, is that one of the people involved in the haunted house is trying to kill one of the other people? Like, there's there's a murder mystery happening inside a haunted house story. Sure, yeah. And this one has like the the plot on the ten is the anti Hippocratic society this this society of people who do illegal medical experimentation and that's like that's like the er plot. But what actually drives the movie is a love triangle murder plot. Sure. That doesn't involve our lead character at all. No. That's about Gretchen, in fact. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, and, and almost seems secondary. And I don't want to say shoehorned because it, it was fine. And I never was like, what is this? But also, yeah, I was like, huh, there's all this weird shit. And I, I think all of that works to create like the anti-Hippocratics that are operating in Heidelberg are like down to such a fucking fine art that like, you know, fucking live people go in and dead bodies go out. And there are really just like two big fuck ups, right? One of them is they meet the the heart patient on the train and they right. see him. And two is you have this fucking like asshole anti-Hippocratic who's really not down for all the rules and shit just wants to fucking make a mess because he's mad, you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of the things, and um, I did end up watching the sequel too, which we'll talk to more about, uh, talk more about in a bit. Um, But both of them do this really interesting thing where like, so you have the anti-Hippocratic society as itself, which is not a real thing. Incidentally, um, anyone listening, sadly, made, sadly, question mark. There's not any such real thing, not even historically. Um, it's totally made up for the movie. It sounds really. Oh legit. yeah, it like, sounds great. Kind of like yeah. Freemason slash fraternity thing um, for med students, but it's not a real thing. But um, 
but like it's the actual people running it right are people who don't believe in its ideology not really they are people who are profit mongers right and they are they are doing these experiments and doing whatever um in a way that keeps their noses clean but also lets them get away with like getting uh you know lucrative like um pharmaceutical contracts and that kind of thing but the people that they are indoctrinating right like become more radical than them right in both cases essentially like the people they're indoctrinating the, the people they are are radicalizing essentially to join their ranks uh drink the kool-aid oh, they yeah. buy what these people are selling when these people don't really and that becomes a problem for the higher-ups then like the actual people running the society like become embarrassed by the kids essentially that they've brainwashed into following yeah well, and, and um, I, I don't know how you can live in the United States right now and not see that and then put the scrim of like uh, Q over the top of it. Right. Like uh, right. like that's exactly what I think the right is struggling with now. I like I think there are there there were halfway decent conservative folks that were relatively mainstream that just happened to believe in conservative politics. But it became lucrative and good for elections and everything else to promote conspiracy theories. And now that fucking people believe that shit, you know, you have like Madison Cawthorn who's like, yeah, I've been to a bunch of Coke orgies with the Republican party, you know, and the, you know, the rest of the establishment is like, the fuck are you talking about? And like, essentially he's doubled down. So we've created this legion of relatively young people that are like, oh, yeah, we believe that, you know, the elite in this country are drinking adrenochrome from children. Yours might be next or whatever. And, right, yeah. and the problem with that is once you create that monster, as horror movies have told us, can't fucking control a man. And uh, yeah. they're going to go, you know, kill a bunch of people, drain their blood and then plasticize their veins. So, hey, <laughs> yeah, like you do, right, like you do. Um. So, uh, but you know, so, so the, the sequel touched. Oh the yeah. Sequel, Talk to me. Cause I've never seen so, it. So the, the sequel is actually better than this one. Okay. In no small part because it adds cyborgs. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the, the premise of the sequel is that, um, it's set in another school, another medical school where there's an anti-hippocratic society operating. And there's this professor who's working on creating, um, like artificial muscles. Okay. Basically. All right. Um, so like, so like or real things that we're actually working on creating in real life. Like so he's working on creating like um, mechanical replacements for your muscles. Okay. That's cool. Um, for people who've lost limbs or who have muscular, muscular disorders or whatever. Sure. And he's got this, he's, he's got this cult of personality that he's formed around himself of all these students who basically worship him. And he's using them to experiment on themselves to voluntarily replace their muscles with mechanical ones. Uh, okay. So basically, they're all cyborgs. But voluntary right? like there's a, cyborgs. Voluntary cyborgs. Like, they're, like there's a dude who rips a car door off with his bare hands. And like one dude takes like some weights and throws them through a wall and shit. Like, okay. it's amazing. Um, and, and so, um, and it's also a very different movie because like... There are murders eventually, but they're just to cover up what they're doing. Okay. They're not actually killing people to experiment on them. They're experimenting on themselves. Huh. 
Um, well, they only they only they only kill people eventually to cover up those experiments, basically. Well, and I think that is interesting because that you know our essential question is essentially like to examine uh, how anatomy looks at medical ethics and like both of those movies seem to be discussing both sides of that medical ethics questions, which, which is like, is it ethical to experiment on people against their will, but more important, right? And, and the fact that this takes place in Germany and there is ostensibly some discussion about the role of Heidelberg um, and medicine in the Holocaust and all of yeah. that kind of discussion is, is very real. And it is one that the medical community really, I think still struggles with today. Unfortunately, you know, the genocide that took place during the Holocaust led to some important medical discoveries because like when, when you don't, treat people ethically or morally or don't give a fuck about them, then you can do things that lead results because like normal people don't fucking do that. Right. So what do we do with that information? And we were left with like our medical doctors here in the United States were like, great. We have all of these pages of data, but also we feel like we should fucking burn them. You know, like, uh, uh, like how, how do we account for all of that? And I think the movie at least attempts to have a conversation. And in that way, like the anti-Hippocratics, right, are like, oh, fuck that. Let's just make that our motivation. You know, like, let's just make those people real and continue that through line through modern day. And I, I do think that that leads to some really interesting discussions about like, I don't know. What is the role of ethics and morality in treating people and looking for, you know, new medicines and new technology and, and whatnot? Yeah. I and mean, one of the things, I and mean, one of the many things that I think both of them tackle is that like most of the time, right. Morality should be relatively straightforward. It should be a harm reduction calculus most of the time. Right. right? Um, but when you get to things like this, a simple harm reduction calculus becomes incredibly complicated because if you do this experiment on these people or whatever, you have the potential of reducing an enormous amount of future harm right. by doing a little bit of contemporary harm. And like, so like in, in the sequel, the sequel again tackles it a little bit more directly because it's voluntary okay. in the sequel. Like it's, it's about people who are doing it to themselves. Sure. Which, which brings up different questions. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but like uh, the the main character in the sequel joins the anti-Hippocratic Society rather than being like drawn into it by accident, like during a pretend days. He he joins it voluntarily um, because he his brother has a muscular disorder that's similar similar to muscular dystrophy, okay. um, and he's trying to find a cure for his brother, and he thinks that these synthetic muscles essentially would do that. And so he's like, I will join this if we, you know, if my brother gets to be basically moved to the top of the line for this once we figure it out. Which seems reasonable. Um, I think you and I would, right. would and, do a whole lot of shit to save our loved ones. So, Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it makes it this very, like, 
you know, we, we are doing terrible things in the direct effort to try and do good things in some cases. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, yeah, it, it doesn't have a simple answer. Like a lot of things do where like, I mean, essentially one of the problems of like medical ethics in general is that you can't do experiments on people ethically, but you have to do experiments on people in order to save people's lives. So you have this sort of catch 22 of like, well, we do the experiments as ethically as we can. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Which is, which is why like we always lead with informed consent, right? Like uh, the bottom line is if, if, we give you all of the information and you're like, sure, I'll try it. Then we can have that weight off our conscious. Right. And at least the medical ethics involved in this scenario, there, there is no informed consent. It just no. is a thing. But I, I do think it, it lends itself to in debate class every year, we go through the trolley problem, right. Which is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got one track, you, it's going to kill one guy. Uh, well, it's going to kill a whole bunch of people, but if you throw the switch, then it'll like, there's a worker that's fixing the other track and it'll just kill him. Right. Uh, so you can either do nothing and let a bunch of people die or do a thing and kill a guy, but save a bunch of people. And, uh, there is a derivative of that that we do where you got a guy and you can harvest his organs, right. And you can give his liver to one guy and that'll save that guy's life. And you can give his heart to another guy. You can give his corneas to, you know, whatever, like do all these great things. But the, the big issue in all of those is an issue that I think women in this country, especially are going to have to confront because like, I think the days of Roe v. Wade are, are limited. So the idea that we have body autonomy is, I think, feels very normal to a dude because we're a dude and we don't necessarily have the same issues that that uh women do but i mean fuck man like that's entirely the abortion debate right now so right but i we one of the things i mean one of the things that that has come up in the abortion abortion debate explicitly is that like people have bodily autonomy in every instance including when they're dead right but not when they're pregnant yeah right um like in this country when you're pregnant your bodily autonomy is suddenly under question even though, again, the, the simplest example is we can't harvest organs from even a dead person right? if they didn't give their consent in order to save another person's life. Yeah. And, and, um, and like, we are more than willing to put the, you know, a person in medical harm. Uh, the bottom line is delivering a child, even in best case scenario, it is a dangerous act, right? And so mm-hmm. we insist that they go through that danger. Uh, even if they're like, I don't want to go through that. We're like, fuck it. Sorry, bro. You know? So I would be really curious to know how the Hippocratic oath jives with those particular scenarios, because I think it's, I don't know. I think it is more likely than not that it's complicated. I think, I think unfortunately, um, you know, in this country right now, we're, we're passing a lot of laws uh, one way or another that are um, going to put doctors in a lot of awkward positions with regard to their Hippocratic. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the anti-trans laws that are being passed right now are also going to put like a doctor can either choose to break the law yeah. or choose to break their oath. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, like, that's that's rough. That's a bad position to put doctors in, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I think it's Oklahoma that signed the, the bill today that uh, unless it is an emergent medical situation, doctors can go to jail for 10 years if they perform an abortion. Yeah. Not just that it's, like, the best thing for, you know, everyone involved or, you know, like, whatever, uh, but it has to be an emergent medical condition. Like, an immediate threat to the life of the mom, which like I, we've had, we've had two of our own, um, even, you know, like not to be overly personal, but we struggled to get pregnant the the second time around and, and had some issues there. And rarely when you lose a pregnancy or when a pregnancy goes wrong, rarely is it emergent, you know, like usually it's this kind of slow, which is what makes it sad. You know, it's like this thing that uh, takes way too long to develop and deal with and is is a very protracted, long thing. So, like, I don't even know how some of those bills are going to work around the, the kind of... I mean, most of them aren't intended to work as the thing. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not meaningfully enforceable bills. They're bills that are designed to like create nuisance lawsuits and to tie people up in court and to to generally make it force harder. yeah yeah make things hard. They're not like because when you look at the way that the enforcement is written into a lot of them, they're it's impossible to enforce them in any uniform way. The enforcement is necessarily patchy and sporadic. A lot of it requires reporting by citizens. Yeah, right, and that's which, that's that's how they get around the. So to kind of get back to the movie too for a second, we have talked some about the bodies exhibition and I have seen the bodies exhibition both in uh, union station when it was here. Plus there is a permanent exhibit at the Luxor in Las Vegas. And I got to say, I'm a big Las Vegas guy and I have taken that tour too. The, the interesting thing about the one in the Luxor is they are unabashedly open that, the plasticized bodies came from political prisoners from China. So they were not consenting people. Uh, they mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, essentially jailed because they didn't like communist China and they, you know, fucking died and they sold those bodies to a company in China who plasticized them all. But one of them is a pregnant woman with a fetus. That is, you know, everything has been plasticized and then they cut them in half, which is, you know, horrifying, but also incredible. You know, it's, it's incredible. The detail that is in all of that. But I think the image of a pregnant woman with her plasticized fetus is a really wonderful way to draw all of that conversation together, which is like when we decide to violate body autonomy, we can, it it doesn't just stop with abortion. It, it, it is every other element uh, that, you know, could could come into play with that, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, it's it's a situation where and again, med- medical ethics um, and in some ways this movie, I think, honestly, because like the, the way the movie portrays the anti-democratic society as a variety of things, as both corrupt and greedy people who actually want to push medicine forward people who are just crazy and want to hurt people yeah. like that all of those people come together in this under this one umbrella. And, I, and then in that same way, like 
medical ethics is a good microcosm of the fact that ethics is not a binary. It's not a black and white. Exactly. It's a tug of war always. Mm -hmm. And so there's always going to be a trade-off of like bodily autonomy versus public health and safety, for example, or whatever. Yeah. And that's always going to be a push and pull. It will never be a settled issue. But at the same time, there should always be a harm reduction component, you know, worked into it. There should, there should always be some sort of like discussion about, okay, why, why are we making an exception in this case? Why are we, yeah. you know, why is this different than this other situation? Well, and again, like, you know, the, the abortion one and the abortion one and the organ donation one is a great example. Like if you can't take organs from a dead body in order to save a life against that dead body's wishes, why can you yeah. tell a pregnant woman what to do in order to save a life? Even if you believe that's what you're doing, even if you a hundred percent genuinely believe that you're saving a life, we won't do that in another situation where the person's dead already. Yeah. So what's the difference? What makes this situation different? Yeah. Well, and I think, so uh, now would be a good time. We're going to run out of time, so I won't talk too much about it. But there is a really great and interesting set of scenarios put out by the Marcula Center uh, for Applied Ethics out of Sa Santa Clara University, where there are a handful of different scenarios where they give you uh, like exactly what's happened, and then they talk about the ethics of the case. Like The first case that they have here is essentially there is – a woman who's got uh, a weakening of her aorta. So eventually she's going to have that aorta burst and die. And the doctors have told her the surgery is going to be 50, 50, but she's definitely going to die given enough time because this thing's going to burst. But she is uh, like an erotic dancer. And she's like, fuck that. That's, that's my meal ticket. I can't have any scars on me. I'll take my chances. Well, they like knock her out and, perform the surgery and she survives and eventually sues the hospital. And you act as this medical board and you have to examine, did they do the right thing? You know, what are the ethical concerns around it? But there are like half a dozen here. And mm -hmm. I would encourage anybody uh, to check it out in our show notes, because I think it kind of hints at what you said, which is every major hospital has to have a panel of ethicists that go through this shit. They, they right. have to because it's ever evolving. It's ever changing. And the bottom line is like our decisions may change every day, but we have to trust people to, to have that input that continue to keep the idea of ethics around because otherwise you get a bunch of fucking right. insane shit like this movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like in this movie in the, in the first in, in anatomy, you have the, the professor who is, who appears sinister initially, right? Who's a member of the anti-Hippocratic Society. Um, he, he initially seems like he's sinister, but ultimately he actually isn't. He, he, when he learns what the other person did, he is planning to give himself up, expose himself, go to prison. Right. In order to stop this, um, because he feels this guy's gone too far. Now, mind you, where he thinks too far is, is weird, but, <laughs> right. but like, but, you know, I mean, but ultimately, like he's he's ultimately a, a willing to sacrifice himself in order to put a stop to this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it and it and it shows that like that weird push and pull where like there's not there's not a settled spot when you get into especially medical ethics. Everything is very dynamic. Yeah. 
each each scenario and the the cases that you pointed out are fascinating ones um each scenario like the answers there you know as someone with with philosophical training the answers there are not easy right and 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 um, it's okay that they change and it's okay that we don't necessarily agree on all of them you know and and right. uh, that's part of what I enjoy about this movie is the anti-Hippocratics are very much painted as evil, right? And right. they are evil because they have roots in Nazism and they have roots in all of this other bad shit. But at the end of the day, if you peel all of that off, right, their central argument is medical progress is the key to human survival. And it is a, a race to whatever that next goal is. And we should do whatever it takes to get us to that next goal. And I think that discussion, that argument, that idea is really interesting. And I, I, it's like what the ultimate kind of like capitalistic model of medicine, right? Like if we're all in a competition to beat dying, we should do whatever we can to get there. And like, that's fucking, and I mean, and I, yeah, and I, but I, and I do think it's interesting that, like, yes, the, the anti-critics are definitely the bad guys in the in both of these movies, but also they are a wide array of motives supporting them, yeah. and the differences in their motives determine, to some extent, how bad they are. Um, because, like, the people who are greedy or vicious or whatever, like, those are the worst ones, and the ones who genuinely think they're doing right, but they shouldn't have to have rules applied to them are the better ones, but like what it underscores is that there's a reason we have rules. Yep. Like the better ones enable the worst. Yes. Ones. That's so good. That's so good. Um, you know, by, by saying, okay, we don't, we get to operate outside the rules cause we're special. That enables the Nazis. It enables the, the people who are profiteering that enables the crazy guy who just wants to murder his girlfriend. Um, you know, like, that those guys take cover behind the people who want to do what's right, but they want to eschew the rules to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. Like, um, I, I love that it puts the progress at, at all cost and the, you know, psycho maniacal killers in the same fucking box, right? Because it's essentially presenting the idea, like, guess what? Medical ethics are not a thing that, we can issue lightly. It's part of what makes us human. And when we decide to ignore them, we become less human. And we're in the same category as the other people that do lots of less human shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, that's, that's very, very good. Okay. Um, I think it might be time for four corners. Yeah. That works for me. Yeah. Okay. So what other two movies would you show? Um, to lead into this for a double or a triple feature here, Oren. Um, so the first one I picked is a movie that no one will have seen. Yeah, I have no um, idea what this movie is. It's a movie called The Crimson Rivers. It actually got a sequel. Um, that uh, It's French. It's also from 2000. It has Vincent Castle and Jean Renault okay. in it. All right. Um, and uh, it was directed by... Um, uh, oh, his last name is Tykwer, but anyway. Uh, so it's this movie about a uh, murder mystery, essentially, that happens at a very prestigious university way up high in the mountains in the French Alps. Okay. Um, that turns out to have its roots in a Nazi eugenics program. Ooh, all right. So 
again, uh, it's it's both got the sort of like murder mystery in a university vibe that this one has, um, combined with uh, eventually leading into like Nazi eugenics programs, um, which this movie also ties into. Okay, so that's that's why I picked it. It's also you know a European movie from the two thousands, so they look similar. Okay, even yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Crimson Rivers. I'm adding that to my list. All right. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a mess. It's a little bit hard to understand. Like, you'll watch it, and then I recommend like watching it and then reading the Wikipedia synopsis because it's one of those movies that's got like two plot lines. Okay, and it's a little bit hard to see how they tie together until like, yeah. So, but anyway, um, fair enough. Okay, so that that's my first one. Uh, my second one is a movie called Night Watch. Yeah. There are two versions. Uh, there's a Danish one in 1994 and an English one in 97 that has like, uh. Oh, Ewan McGregor in it, I yes, think. Yes, I think you're um, right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're both by the same director, so they're very similar to one another. Um, and there's like, a, there's like a young Josh Brolin in the English one, too. Anyway, um, but they're they're about a guy who takes a uh, night job as a night watchman at a morgue. Um, so there's a lot of dead bodies, like in this movie. Um, and it's it's got this, like, it's a, it's a sort of thriller, you know, there's a psycho killer kind of thing. But there's it's got a heavy necrophilia vibe going on. All um, right. That uh, that again, I, I think uh, I think echoes some of the stuff in this movie with with Heinz and and Gretchen and sure. that weird scene with him with him and her body, her plasticized body at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was my other. Yeah, point. very good. Well, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned eugenics one last time because it did remind me one of the largest collection of eugenic uh artifacts is located in the library at truman state university because there is there was this huge movement um obviously you know throughout the world but especially in the midwest uh around the 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 time that eugenics hit everywhere else and uh they also had some uh some nazis you know, move here and bring a bunch of their shit. Right. So like, I have never seen it, but the, the rumor is when you go back, you have to schedule an appointment. I think and go look at all the shit. You can't take it out of the library, obviously, but uh, right. like they have all kinds of shit, including like a lampshade made out of human flesh and a bunch of other, like kind of fucking nuts, crazy shit back there. But uh, yeah, man, like eugenics is a thing that the United States has grappled with for many 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 years it's not specific to nazis we did our own really terrible shit here so it was a very it was it was a very popular theory for a long time and honestly it's not gone right like it has taken different forms but there is definitely i mean you can see an obvious strain of clear eugenic thought in the uh, the people who died from COVID were people with comorbidities. Yeah, right. Argument like that's that's eugenics, y'all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, they just made bad choices, or you know, like we got to sacrifice. They, they would have died. Yeah, anyway. right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that's that's. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Rough. Okay, so uh, my two movies. Number one is Splice, <laughs> which uh, one redditor described as. Should I fuck my mutant kid I've been abusing its entire life? Which uh, they call a dilemma for the ages. Um, Splice is a incredibly fucked up movie. But what I appreciate about it is it offers a series of challenging uh, medical ethical questions, you know, that 
the doctors have to come to terms with, have to grapple with, uh, and they almost always answer incorrectly. (laughs) So I was about to say, I feel like if the doctors weren't giant creeps, they would have fewer of these medical ethical problems they'd run into. Like, I I feel like they could have made the not having sex with their mutant kid choice much earlier on and saved themselves a lot of the other problems. I mean, like, maybe they shouldn't have, like, spliced a bunch of genes into a human embryo or whatever to begin with like that like that's the slippery slope once you're like yes i'm going to make this thing then all the other questions like yeah should i sleep with this thing that i created (laughs) it's like what once you're in for a penny you're in for a pound man you're like why not we're already fucked so yeah but uh as messed up as that movie is i i truly do enjoy it and uh it it offers some just if you have not seen it some fucking wacky wacky turns that uh, no yeah. one saw coming. So from the director of the Cube, oh, which we should cover on your oh, sometime. absolutely, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we need to cover both of those films. I did not realize that, huh? Okay, and then uh, my second film is uh, pretty obvious, but uh, it's the Human Centipede, which I think involves uh, ginormous questions of medical ethics. Uh, they're both German <laughs> films, right? Isn't the original Human Centipede? I believe, I believe yeah, so, yes. Yeah, right? Uh, and I've never actually seen any of the Human Centipedes. Probably never will. We'll see. Uh, I saw the original. I think I fast-forwarded through some of it. Like, once the novelty of it, like, you're like, oh, all right. Then, like, it could be a short film that's, like, ten minutes long, you know? So right. it, always, it always has felt like, I don't know how they made three of them, it has always felt like a short subject like to me yeah um and yeah um yeah it's like but yeah no it's like an insult that somebody came up with about somebody's mom that they're like let's just turn that into a horror film and they're like okay you know like some shit uh is is wild that it gets made and the fact that (laughs) there are three of those films is even uh crazier but i think definitely fits the vibe and fits the questions and, and everything else so yeah what else what else can we say about anatomy before we wrap it up? Um yeah, oh, uh, one thing, uh if you uh if you do decide to go watch anatomy after we have spoiled enormous amounts of it for you here, um don't watch the dub. It's it's awful. Just it is atrocious. Like if you, if you can only find the dub, just don't bother watching it. It's real bad. Yeah, um, if you buy it off of Amazon, I think it gives you, when you buy it, it gives you the option uh, to turn on subtitles or to turn on the dubbing. Uh, I have watched it both. Uh, I watched it dubbed initially and then watched it in the original German. And you're right, it's a much better film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the dub is real bad. Yeah. Um, I, I watched it both ways as well, and the, the dub is terrible. It's kind of funny to see like what they do with the, you know, like with the dubbed English and it's like, Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh. And part of it is just that the, like, and, and this is a, a big dubbing problem, but like, is that the deliveries in the English are so flat. Right. Like, like everything is just like the words all just drop. Like, I don't know, like pats of butter or something. This flop. They're not, yeah. there's nothing. Well, there's no emotion or, or resonance to them at all. And, and you, it, you lose all of the vehemence of the villain, obviously, but you also lose some of the wit and character and, and I think charisma of Gretchen, especially with the dub, mm. because she just kind of takes on this like uh, almost 
like valley-ish like uh ditzy blonde which doesn't doesn't work so yeah yeah, yeah it is what it is so oh we do have as we're wrapping up tonight's discussion we did forget to mention earlier though if you want to see us live and in person we're going to be back at uh what appears to be our future home base for at least a little while uh once a month we're going to be at the stray cat film center and we're going to be there in april on april 27th it's a wednesday we're going to be checking out a john carpenter made for tv movie yeah it's yep. a first watch for it's one me. Of my favorite i've never seen oh, this man. film it is in my like top five carpenters i love all it all right all right so. tickets are free you can come for the screening uh and stay for the podcast hopefully i think we had a pretty good crowd last time and uh, yeah. we gave a bunch of shit away. We had fantastic audience contribution. So if you want to be a part of discussions like you heard tonight, come on out to the Stray Cat. We'd absolutely love to see you there. And, uh, you know, I think we have a blast. So, yeah. I hope yeah. And it will once again heavily involve uh, landline phones. And it will seem like I have a weird obsession with them. Maybe, uh, when in fact I maybe don't. we could find a Garfield phone for you to uh, bring out between now and then or something. I don't know. I want I want that fish. Phone oh yeah, from from the other move that fish phone or not though. <laughs> fish phone or die. That sounds like uh, like the sequel to or the sequel or the third movie to Nine Seven Six Evil. Fish phone or die. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, speaking of dead things, we have officially killed this conversation about anatomy. Where can they find more of your stuff on the internet, Orin? As always, I am Orin Gray on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those places and Letterboxd, um, which, like I said, I've been watching a lot of weird shit on Tubi. If you want to see all the weird shit I've been watching on Tubi, check out my Letterboxd. It's been a while. I, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I know Ghoulies 2. We we were chatting about Ghoulies 2 earlier. Yeah, week, so. Ghoulies 2 is on there. Um, Ghoulies 3, unfortunately, is also on there, <laughs> which the the roller coaster from Ghoulies to Ghoulies 2 to Ghoulies 3 is an experience that's not really worth having. Just watch <laughs> uh, I've got it up in my queue. I'm going to check it out as soon as I can. <laughs> well, you can check out more of my stuff at Ty Unsel. And remember, the Horror Podcast is um, a part of Signal Horizon, which is a magazine dedicated to looking beyond just your surface conversations about horror and science fiction. If you want to write for us or check us out, you can go to www.signalhorizon.com. But until then, class dismissed.